Entrepreneurs can get stuck in their head, challenged by their thoughts, the voice in their head, and their beliefs. We chat with successful entrepreneurs who share their journey and the lessons learned along the way. The Ad Valued Entrepreneurs podcast is edutaining, leaving you with actionable advice to transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. Our conversations are for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it. It is possible. It's time for you to add value. Today's guest, Lisa Wilbur, started selling Avon on Guam at the age of 18. By 1986, she had sold part-time while working other jobs, including a convenience store clerk and a secretary. When she was laid off from her job and couldn't find another, she turned to Avon, her side gig, into a full-time business. Today, she's been in Avon's top 10 money earners for more than two decades. And Avon refers to Lisa Wilbur as the best-known Avon representative in the world. Lisa Wilbur is an amazing network marketer who shares some great stories about growing her business to the number five Avon money earner in the world. She just watched what other companies were doing for marketing and was willing to try it. She never wanted to go door-to-door, and she didn't open up a store. And her top-selling product isn't even makeup. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. I sure appreciate you taking the time to uh, to just uh, share with us your fantastic story. I'm I'm so excited to just get to share um, what most people I think would find unbelievable. Oh, I hope so. You've been talking to Bob. That's Bob. <laughs> he always frames everything in the best possible light, which I love. He absolutely does. So. Obviously, you got started at Avon at 18 on the island of Guam. So yeah. let's start there. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that was in 1981. Don't do the math. Okay, so uh, I was obviously a wee child back then, but um, I needed money because I've I've worked since I was like 12. When I was a kid, I pick tobacco in the fields in Massachusetts and on the bus on the weekends. I've always had my own money and I don't like not to have my own money. So when I got married to a sailor, which was stupid, by the way, and moved to Guam, I wanted to make sure I had my own money because, right? So uh, I looked around and most of the other Navy wives were doing something in direct sales. They were doing Tupperware parties or something like that. So I didn't see anyone doing Avon. And I remembered the Avon lady coming to my house as a kid and selling to my mom. So I thought, you know, I bet that go over. So I wrote to the company and bought my kit that way and started selling over there. But the the thing that is, I think different about how I did it is that um, I never could stomach going door to door. I'm an introvert and it just was not something I was going to be able to do. So, so I've had to come up with a whole bunch of different creative ways to, to, get people to know what I'm doing. And I think that's what makes me a little bit different is I, I haven't knocked doors at all. Well, I think I think you started out a little different. Like, I wonder how many people have written directly to Avon and said, send me your kid. Oh, but I, I don't know. I, I, you know what, I was 18 though. So I had no idea like that they had meetings in the States. Because Guam, they didn't have any of that. I didn't know that they delivered their orders to your house. On Guam, we had to go pick them up COD. And I'd go there with my AMC pacer and load the back of it till 
And I had to make more than one trip. And the things that I was used to doing on Guam, I thought everyone did over here. It wasn't until later when I moved here, I found out what it really was like for everyone else. So well, and, I just know what I know. <laughs> and it was it was still a hobby at that time, really. I mean, I know your your goal was was to, to make more money, but you still got into a regular job when you when, when you right. at least when you got back. Well, there I worked different jobs, too. I worked a bunch of jobs because I was used to doing that in high school anyway. Um, in high school, I worked uh, as a secretary. I also worked at a restaurant making Sundays on the weekends at the Sunday bar. I did a whole bunch of stuff in babysitting because um, making my own money has always been important to me because I knew money's freedom. That's what money is to me. Mm. So um, over on Guam, it wasn't any different. I worked as secretarial pool for a while. Um, I worked cashier for the bars that I took the money and counted it in the afternoons and I did Avon, but I, I didn't look at Avon as a choice of a career because I didn't know that even was a possibility to me, direct sales was pocket money. They called it pin money and nobody said, Hey, you ought to do that full time. I didn't even think of it. It never crossed my mind. It, it was years later when that, that actually came up. So, so, so let's talk answer? about that that transition from from <laughs> hobby to to business. And you know what's funny is uh, it's not like I chose it. It it was more like the default. So this is like 87, 1987. So by then I'd I'd um, release that husband to move on to another opportunity. <laughs> Yeah, I, I released them. Anyway, uh, and I was back in the States. I lived in Mississippi for a while. I lived in South Carolina for a while, and I ended up in New Hampshire. Um, I'm originally from New England, but I, I sold Avon every time I signed back up to have money on the side because it was easy money. You just buy it retail, sell it. I buy it wholesale, sell it retail. I knew how to do that. So I'd always signed up again. Um, but up here, I got a secretary job. In South Carolina, I worked third shift at a convenience store and earned, what, $3 an hour, three something. That was a grind, I tell you. So up here, I thought, people don't know me yet. I'm just going to go for a bigger job. So I went for a secretary's job, even though I hadn't had one uh, that was that fancy. This was an executive secretary. And I actually got the job. And he called me when I got home from the interview and he said um, he was embarrassed to tell me they were only offering 15,000 a year and, <laughs> and I was getting paid $3 an hour. <laughs> and it was like, I'd hit the lottery and they had benefits and everything. So I went down there and I, I had that job for a couple of years. This was like 86, 87. And then there was a recession and they, they did away with the whole department. So even the guys in the department were like upset by it. And I came home bawling my head off. I mean, I was snot bubble crying. That's how bad that was. And I'm not a cry person, uh, but I was on husband number two at the time. Don't judge. And uh, <laughs> he said to me, why don't you do more with that Avon thing you've been playing with? And I'm like, oh, oh, right. <laughs> right. Like I'm, I'm going to sell Avon full time. And he, I said, there isn't anybody not that I've seen that's doing that full time. And in the district here that it was like most of the state, those reps, I would go to the meeting, they were selling what I needed to earn. And I know there's a difference between retail and wholesale. <laughs> so I, you know, that wasn't going to be enough profit to live on. 
And husband number two wasn't necessarily interested in earning money. So I needed to make sure I had the bills covered. And um, he said to me, you, just because you don't know anybody doing full-time money with that, why can't you be the one? Hmm. And I'm like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. And to me, what I read into that, which was bad, but I read into that, he believed I could do it. And so I thought, powerful. Well, I thought if he believes I can do it, maybe I should believe it too. Because he obviously knows me. Yeah, I'm married to him, right? So I went ahead and built this business on his belief. That's so good. Yeah, that's so good. Bar borrowed belief in the beginning can be so powerful. And in your case, it wasn't even true, true to him. <laughs> no. So later, I'm talking to someone on the phone, and he hears me tell the story. This was like a couple of years later. And he says to me, oh, God, you don't go around telling people that, do you? And I said, believe it or not, that one thing that you said at that moment made me believe in myself enough that I was able to do this. You know what I mean? I didn't think I could do it. And uh, he said, oh, my God, I never thought you'd do anything with it. He said, I just wanted you to stop crying. <laughs> oh, but he, <laughs> his, his mo wisdom in that moment. And, and the, the ability for that borrowed belief to break your limiting beliefs, those two beliefs, right? The confidence in yourself and the possibility of making a living. Planting those two seeds is so powerful when most husbands would have done the exact opposite. And so even in his, even in his unintention, he planted two incredibly powerful seeds. No, it was, it was a, I, I do credit him for that awesome gift that he gave me, even though later I had to release him. Yeah, you do what you got to do. <laughs> right. And that moment, uh, he did change things for me. And I, I really do appreciate that. I, he's always worked for himself. He still does to this day. So I think if if I hadn't known him, I might not have ever done that. He might he might regret being released. I'm just going to say <laughs> But the I'm sure the, he does because I'm fabulous. <laughs> the power, the power of borrowed belief is so important, especially for entrepreneurs in the beginning of their journey. Just to have a mentor, a family member, just a spouse, just that one person that says, Why can't you do it? is so is so powerful. And so I'm I'm so glad that you still give him credit, even though he's he's been released, because that. <laughs> understanding the power of borrowed belief because there's so many naysayers there's so many people that that just don't understand and and in their innocence right in their innocence they typically discourage people and they right. and they hold them back and they just pile on to their limiting beliefs rather than just saying why can't you do it you know it's funny that theme came up again not with him but um when i first was going full-time i was like discussing it with my friends for a crazy reason, I guess. I wanted, you know, people to think it was a good idea. And um, most people said something to me. They said stuff like, you know, only like the top 5% earn any money doing that. And sadly, in my naiveness, I'm in my early 20s, I, I didn't realize that they were saying, you're not going to be that person. I thought they were telling me the math problem. 
Sounds like prophecy to me. <laughs> I thought they were saying, well, figure out what the top 5% is and get in it. And that's what I heard, but that's not what they were saying. So it was funny for a lot of years, they I would get made fun of, of course, but uh, after a while, I think what changed when I was featured in Avon's magazine that came out. Once I was in that, uh, people said, you know what? I always knew you were going to do something with that. <laughs> of course, of course you did. But you're not only top 5%, you're like top 0.05%. Right. Well, I'm top five uh, money earner in the US right now. And I have been for a couple decades. I think I made it up to three one time, <laughs> but wow. right now I'm five. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, that's not even, that's not percentage. That's number. Like that's number, out of right. all the existing Avon representatives. Right. And there's a few, few hundred thousand. Five. Yes. Right. And I live yeah, in rural yeah. New Hampshire. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's all, all on borrowed belief. And so, so let's talk about the transition from, from hobby to business. Now, husband number two planted that belief. And, and where did you go from there? I actually couldn't get something else. I still continue to try because I thought he was simple minded about that. <laughs> I didn't believe him at first. So I tried to get other stuff. Now, I've been a secretary and worked at offices. So I even went, when you're a secretary, the bottom of that totem pole is temp work. I even tried to get signed by a temp agency and they wouldn't take me on because I didn't type fast enough. Thank goodness. But anyway, I still tried to get work. Um, I So I said, well, if this isn't going to I'm not going to be able to get something else. I've got to earn some money. So then I said, well, what if I was having to earn full-time money doing this, maybe I'll look around, see what the other businesses are doing and see if I can't do a version of that. Cause I still knew that I wasn't going to be able to door knock. That just wasn't ever going to happen. So I looked around and I thought now restaurants don't go, would you come to my restaurant tonight and eat and go to the next door? Would you come to my, they don't do that. They do other stuff. So I looked and saw what everyone was doing. Um, this is just an example though, <laughs> but I uh, was putting a sign on my car. So this isn't the early version. This is one of the later ones. This is on a magazine, but um, I started putting signs on my car. Even the first car I, I had was a Yugo. Remember those? Oh, <laughs> wow. So, right. So I had uh, just white sheet of paper, wrote Avon on my phone number with black marker and taped it in the windows of the car. And I just kept getting uh, better from there. So I had magnets for a while and then vinyl letters. And now I have a car wrap like is on that one, the PT Cruiser. But I got all those ideas looking at other companies. So even putting the vinyl letters on, I saw an oil truck with the vinyl letters on and I went up and I touched it and I went, wait a minute, this is stickers. I can put stickers on my car. So I do that even today when I see a company do something, I think, well, wait a minute, I, I bet I could do that. Maybe not as big, maybe not the same, but I could do that and get more people to know what I do. All right. So, so I'm going to have to ask, how many cars have you wrapped? Um, I'm on my third wrapped car. So yeah, I got, I think I've got a picture. Yeah, I, I just did a presentation for another company, is how I happen to have pictures here. This is what I'm driving right now. And the cool part about this one is um I live in rural New Hampshire, so 
more people are going to see my van on social media than are going to see it in person. <laughs> so I told the guy wrapping it, we got to come up with something that's flashy for social media. So on the back window, there's a big giant pair of lips and the windshield wiper on the back window has a lipstick on it. So every time I do my back windshield wiper, it puts lipstick on the lips on the back. And that's for social media. <laughs> well, that's, that's, what great thinking, right? Like now you've taken what others are doing, right? Well, they're doing it for local business. Well, my business isn't local anymore, right? It's national. It's across the country. But yet I can wrap that car and I can blast it on social media. I can get it into magazines and get it into all these other places and still get even more attention than the, than the wrap typically would be intended for. Well, you know, it's pretty interesting about the magazine. This was back in 2007, the PT Cruiser magazine, when I had the PT Cruiser was the first wrapped one I had. And the reason I even wrapped it to start with is because on an Avon trip, I saw a Coca-Cola wrapped PT Cruiser. And right away, I'm like, oh, I can do that. That's going to look awesome. And, and that's what I did. Then I was reading Cruiser magazine because I had a PT Cruiser. And I always like to keep uh, my mind open to marketing thoughts. And she wrote a, a I don't, and I didn't read the editorial every month either, but the particular month that I read it, she was making fun of people wanting to be on the cover. And I thought to myself prior to that, if I could just get on the cover, I could use that for recruiting forever, right? Because if you're on a magazine, I already knew from being on Avon's magazine, people give you a different level of credibility. Whether it's deserved or not, you could be on Idiot Monthly. And they're like, oh, wow, you're on a magazine. You must know something. You know what I mean? So um, I, I entered. This was what she said was, you can get on the cover of our magazine if you make the biggest donation to our charity. So I wrote a check for $5,000. And at the time in 2007, that was a lot of money for me. And But I knew, and look at all these years later, I have bought thousands of these from them. When they went out of business, they don't do this magazine. I bought all they had left because I use it all the time. You know what I mean? It just gives me a level of credibility. They came out and did a big giant photo shoot and it has my story in it. And it's just, you can't beat it. <laughs> and I think I paid like 50 cents a magazine for the ones at the end that she gets. So I leave them like in hotels and stuff when I stay. <laughs> with a thank you note. And uh, I went back to one later, it was hilarious. They had cut it out, framed it and put it on their wall with famous people at a state at their hotel. <laughs> I was like, yes, this is awesome. So. <laughs> Absolutely. So obviously marketing has been a big, a, a, a fun piece for you because you, you just trying to find ways to put yourself out there. So let's talk a little bit more about that that transition um, to make this a business and, and how, what did you have to do to make it work? So when I first was looking at um, doing it full-time and I needed to earn at least 20,000 because that's what I was earning as a secretary. Um, I said, I, I did the limiting thinking of asking the company how many people lived in my town that sold Avon, which I shouldn't have even bothered doing. But at that moment, it seemed like the smart thing to do. Well, there were 15 of us here in this little rural town in New Hampshire. So to me, though, I was in my naive 20s, right? 
I thought, well, I got two choices here. Either I could go with a different company that doesn't have as many people, or I could convince everybody in town that I'm the only one. So I obviously went with option B. <laughs> so I've been on a mission to make sure that if somebody just walks up to someone in Ware, New Hampshire and says, who sells Avon around here? They're going to tell you it's me. Now, I want to prove to you, my second husband's last name is Wilbur. That's how come I'm Wilbur. He, he builds sheds. That's what he does for money. This bill came down to the trailer park where I lived for 16 years, by the way. And it says W&W Building. So it doesn't say my last name. It doesn't say anything, but the lady that bought our trailer wrote, no longer at this address, deliver to Avon Lady. That's it, Avon Lady. Doesn't say my last name on here anywhere or my new address. And there's 15 Avon reps in this town when, they, when this mail went out. There's still that many, by the way. They didn't bring this to the other 14. They brought this to me. And that's because I'm doing my job right. <laughs> when they saw Bring to Avon Lady, they thought of me and brought it to me. And to me, that's what everyone needs to do is associate themselves with their business name so much that when people see you, it's an automatic. They think of you like the car guy or the, the guy that owns the restaurant, or the one that does the books or the coffee shop lady. They think of you as your business. That's that means you branded yourself good, in my opinion. Absolutely. That's pretty powerful, right? Like if you get mail that says the Avon lady and we all know, like there might only be 15 in that town, but there's hundreds of thousands of Avon people now. And I started right around me, like in my town, and then I kept working my way out. That's why Bob thinks I'm the, the like the biggest Avon lady ever. It's more like even Avon calls me the best known Avon lady in the world. It's because I've made it a point to be well known. It's not because everybody decided to get to know me that, you know what I mean? I try to do things to be well known. Because it brings me business. <laughs> well, and, and as an introvert, that's what you wanted, right? You want big mm. to come to you rather than going out and trying to find it. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So let's talk about that transition from direct sales to, to team building. Because obviously now you've built an incredible network of people um, that, that are benefiting from not only your experience, but from this this network that, that you've created? Well, I'm embarrassed to tell you, but I'm sure my story is not that much different than most of the network marketing people. But um, when Avon first came out with that, I was already in their program called sponsorship where you get other people to sell, but you it was a one level thing. So it wasn't a group building thing and they didn't expect you to take care of them or, you know, help them or motivate them. Um, I was doing that because when they sold more, I got more. So I, I supported people back then, even though they didn't um, encourage us to do that. But when Avon first came out with their network marketing program, they call it leadership. I thought it was going to be the ruination of the company. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, no, no. So they gave us like 12 months to make the switch if we were going to. And I'm like, no, I'll stay with the old thing. I'm good. I'm staying, you know, I'm getting some money. I'm good. And then I heard rumors that they were going to do away with the old one in favor of the new one. 
And I know how, I know that's what was going to happen because like um, when people went from horses to cars, no matter how bad the cars were, they never went back to the horses, right? So, so um, I thought, well, I, I'll do it then. So a year in, that was January 93. I decided, which was lucky for me, I, I don't know how the thought crossed my mind, but I thought if I'm going to do leadership, the only way that I'm going to know if this is worth it or not is if I make it to the top of the pay plan. So I'm going to go in this shooting for the top. And that was, if they called it senior executive unit leader. And I'm still driving the Yugo at this point. Um, they have a car allowance. So that was my big thing. It's like, oh, a car allowance. So I thought I'm going to just get in and go to senior. And between now and senior, I'm not going to question whether this is worth it or not. I'm not even going to have that as a thought in my mind because I'm not going to know until I make it to the top of the pay plan. There won't be any way to know. So um, that's just how I thought about it. And I actually made the title in, I think it was 15 months or something like that. It was, it was obscene short amount of time. But if you knew me during that 15 months, though, I was so focused on that one thing. I was driving everybody bananas. <laughs> you know, I brought, I had a little van that I, a Tonka truck van that I painted the way I wanted it to, to look when I had the car allowance and was able to buy one <laughs> and I would bring it everywhere with me and made everybody look at it. And yeah, I was singularly focused on making senior executive. There was no doubt. And um, it's been a wild ride. I'll tell you that, but there's, I, I recommend that for anybody shoot for the top without trying to judge whether it's worth it till you get there. Oh, so good. Well, in that, in that focus, right. You, the idea that you're driving everybody bonkers is is just testimony to your focus. But I love that you gave yourself permission to focus on the top without questioning whether it's possible or not. And, you know, it's funny, the local Avon employee, they had district managers back then, and they would get volunteers to do stuff like back then. Uh, we didn't have the internet, so we would drive around and pick up the paper purchase orders all over the state and bring them to FedEx. We did all this stuff, and I was doing all that stuff for her, and I said to her, I said, Linda, I feel bad about this, but everything's going to have to stop that I'm volunteering for you until I make senior executive. I, I can't help with the meetings. I'm not going to be able to do anything. Once I make senior, I'll go back and reassess it, but between now and then, I can't do anything but that. And she actually wasn't happy with that. She's like, oh, no, you're going to miss out on all I could teach you. But I'd already been in her district like 10 years. <laughs> it's like, mm, I, mm. <laughs> I think I've learned all that. I need something on the bigger level. So, um, but bless her heart, later on, she, because I didn't realize I was the first senior executive on the East Coast and didn't, right, I didn't know at the time. But she took credit for the whole thing later back. <laughs> But at the time, she was not happy that I quit all my volunteer work. But to me, it, it had to be done if I was going to have the bandwidth to, to do, you know what I mean? It was going to take everything I had, and I knew that. Well, I mean, not only was it a singular focus, it sounds like it was a burning desire. It was. I, I don't like having no money. That was something I'd, 
<laughs> yeah, I, right. It, I mean, the trailer park was really a grind. I, I don't, I don't, you know, want to downplay that at all because I don't want people to feel sorry for me. Is why I don't even like talking about the trailer park. But it was, and once I realized it was my own choices that put me there, that was even worse. But <laughs> right. But I mean, we were grinding it out. We we heated with just a wood stove for years. Because I believed husband number two that the repair of the furnace would be a lot of money. Guess how much it ended up being? <laughs> One hundred dollars. Oh no! I dealt with that wood stove for almost sixteen years over one hundred dollars. Probably burned a hundred dollars worth of wood. <laughs> he wanted. See, I didn't. What I didn't realize. I guess I'm not very perceptive, but um, he's like an. Uh, I want to say. Um, you know, the mountain guy that likes to live off the land that that's him. Uh, and he, he, that was a lifestyle choice. I didn't realize that's what he was going for. And so he would say, it's going to be too much to get that fixed. Cause he really wanted to do wood, but I didn't, he, I guess I didn't let him know that I'm more of a front of the plane, back of the car kind of gal, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome front of the plane back of the car we're definitely stealing that so. <laughs> yeah i so i didn't make that crystal clear evidently he thought i wanted to be mrs grizzly adams which was not on my radar at all so, uh, so i, I wanted... assume he was released soon after <laughs> no it wasn't soon enough it was years later i know i i know i have a hard time um i'm a bad poker player i know how to hold them but i don't know how to fold them you know what I mean? Right. I just didn't get out. And I'm I'm glad that you figured it out though. So that's that's really right. Good. That was it was actually mean to him because he needs Mrs. Grizzly Adams. That's what he needs. And and I'm never gonna be that. <laughs> no, awesome. I'm into I'm into fabulous traveling and all that. I'm not into cooking my own food that I killed. <laughs> well, and let's let's talk a little bit about some of that fabulous travel. You've uh not only so I do want to comment on, I love that you're just, you're admitting like you're, it, it's about the money, right? It's about having yes. money. And, and so, I don't know, I'm, I'm done with chamber of commerce meetings and, and all these meetings where everybody's got all these notions for why they're entrepreneurs and why they're building their business and, and just being honest about, no, it's about the money and it's about what the money can do. Nice freedom. <laughs> you can right. want to do all these other things, but it doesn't matter if you don't have any money, you can't do anything. And right. so I appreciate money's it. choices, money's freedom. Yeah. I do get I I do get people saying stuff about it like it's bad, but I no longer care what they think. I guess that came with age, but <laughs> to me it's always been choices, freedom, independence. Mm. And yeah, there's so nothing good. wrong with money, it's a tool. That's so what good. It is. Absolutely. And without the tool, you can't do any of those other things you want to do. No, no. And, and as I don't know, I shouldn't say this because this is probably prejudice for, but especially women, it drives me crazy mm. that they don't build up enough of an income so that they can make it on their own. The older I get, I'm, I mean, I'm 58 heading up the ladder, right? I have colleagues on the weekly. I mean, really on the weekly that lose a spouse for one reason or another, either they died, ran off or whatever, and they can't make it on their own because they don't have the income to do it. And that drives me crazy because 
even when you have small kids, which I have a 16 year old, I've worked the whole time because I know that it sets a good example. It, it's what I need to do to stay independent. And it's what the kid needs to learn to stay independent. I mean, I don't, I, everybody should be able to pay their own way, I think. Mm, so That's good. my pet peeve, sorry. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by Add Value to Life Coaching. Want to learn the mindset secrets of successful entrepreneurs that have been shared on our podcast? Well, you can get them for free at addvaluemindset.com, addvaluemindset.com. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. Well, <laughs> but I, I think your honesty about the money and the focus on the money has what is what's driven the, and, and not out of greed, right? Just out of no. survival and then to freedom and then to, you know, I can I can make the lifestyle choices that I want to make. The things that I've been able to do with the money they sent me is, and for, I mean, I adopted my, my son when I was 42 and single. I adopted my son from a family member, was a cousin, and he, he would have gone in the system had I not done that. Mm. But I was able to do that. And the state didn't even blink an eye that I was 42 and single because I had money. Mm. They pulled my records for the money and went, you're in. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> that was it. And wow. the reason I stepped up and was able to do it and knew I could do it is because I knew I had the money. And it's not just the money anymore. I don't know if I can articulate this good, but um, I used to. Uh, base my value as a person on how much money I had or something like that. Mm. Now it's more like the ability to earn the money. I have that ability. So whether I have a lot of money sitting here in my little hot hand right this second isn't as important to me now as I know I have the ability to make more money. So I don't feel like I'm going to ever end up back in the trailer park again. I was running from that for so long that now I don't feel that way. I feel like I can do things and, and be in this world and know that I have the skill. When you've crossed, so you've more. crossed the line. I, I call that the unemployability line. No, well, <laughs> because, well there's no way I get hired anyway. <laughs> because once, once you cross that line that you know what's possible and you know if, if, if Avon closed tomorrow, you know you could do something else. And, and be well, successful. And I, I've always had my fingers in 12 pies because I always want to do that. I've seen other direct sales companies go down. So, I mean, I'm an author. I have um, uh, co-author books that I was the head of the project. I'm in a couple of the little direct sales companies that I built up on the side. If, if I need a service, I look to see if it's available as a affiliate program or something like that mm -hmm. so that I can earn while I'm doing business. So that's just part of my DNA is uh, being an entrepreneur, I think. That's so good. Well, and that's what makes you unemployable, right? Because hey, <laughs> you don't want a job now because no, I know that I can do something else. I can... I can, I have that ability. Like you, you know, I was only like six months into the full-time Avon. I caved and went to work for a bank. That lasted six weeks. And <laughs> I was in there and, and you, you can tell I'm not just waist up here. You can tell I'm not Barbie, right? They had a requirement that you had to wear two inch heels all day. 
I mean, even the engineering's wrong on that, right? I can't do that. And I actually went up, they laughed at me that day. And I said, you know what? You guys don't deserve me. Oh, you don't deserve to have you. an employee like me here. Because the, the man, my boss would yell at me. And I, anybody who knows me knows I'm not putting up with that. Well, so I, I'm just not going to take it. And I left and they, they laughed at me that day. So sexist, right? Like, first of all, to have a requirement for one gender over the other. Yeah, <laughs> right. crazy. Well, why did it make any difference what heels you're wearing if you could give good customer service? <laughs> right. So let's talk about getting made fun of as the Avon lady. No, still. That happens still. And people assume, which I find incredible, that I have no money because I sell Avon. Um, even this was a few years back, I went to the scout troop. Um, we just signed up for the scouts. And the scout leader says to me, I mean, this is maybe six years ago, but I'm earning six figures for years before that. She says, um, I know you only do Avon. So if you need to save up for the dues, you don't have to pay it tonight. And I'm thinking to myself, how much could dues be? <laughs> you know what I mean? Guess how much it was? <laughs> 75 cents. Oh. She thought I needed to save. <laughs> I know. And it's funny because I have I do have a little thing about it. Um because I, I like have a chip on my shoulder about people thinking I'm poor still, I guess. So later on the scouts uh there's a plot near uh, in the next town over where they the they call it the poor farm because the poor people from the city come and can plant there. But we all know it as the poor farm. The scouts got assigned a plot on there and I wouldn't park my van out front. I wouldn't give rides to that because I'm like, hey, I got problems enough. <laughs> I am not parking in front of the poor farm. <laughs> so I, I shouldn't let it bother me, but stuff like that does. Um, and back to that troop, that leader, I thought to myself, well, she thinks I need to save up 75 cents. I'm curing this problem. So at Christmas, they had brought in a Santa and they were going to give the kids pencils, a pencil from Santa. Oh my God. So I said, listen, I'm just going to go buy, I think it was 55 Barbies. I went out and bought 55 Barbies for the troop that year because it was Girl Scout troop. And I just thought, I'm going to show them I didn't need the 75 cents to save up. For so I do overcompensate for that because I I don't like it when people think I'm poor, which is, I don't want them to think I'm rich either. I just don't want them to pity me. You know what I mean? Well, and, and it's back to that same belief that you had when you started, right? Like Avon's this little hobby, right? It's side hustle. Right. It's it's pocket change. and And now that you know the truth, you don't want people to relate Avon to poverty right. in any way. And I'm not sure it would be just Avon. I think you could make a lot of money in any business, any direct set. I think it would be anything that you really felt passionate about and wanted to earn money from. You could make an unlimited income just about any anywhere. That's how I feel today. By your smile, I think you probably agree with that. Of course. Right. It's it's all the person more than the opportunity it's what you do with it well and i've heard you say and and not just you can be successful if you get enough people to know what you're doing which has pretty much been your mantra 
Right. That's and that actually that's what I teach on my team meetings and stuff. Um, they're all worried about the perfect presentation and showing the face cream. And I probably know the least about our products of anybody in the country. But the fact remains is I earn one of the top incomes because a lot of people know what I do. So I I our company is known for makeup. I hardly ever wear makeup. The thing that I've sold the most of is roll-on deodorant. And that's because I knew in all these years from the 80s up till now, when the economy goes bad, do you give up wearing deodorant? No. Neither no. neither do the other people. So <laughs> that's why I always concentrated on deodorant and shampoo because that's the last thing someone will give up. Well, except for except for husband Grizzly Adams. He might <laughs> <laughs> You'd put deer fat or something, right? Right. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, bless his heart. But yeah. that's so smart. Like, I'm I'm not focused on the makeup or this or that. I'm more focused on the product that everybody's going to use no matter what the economy's doing. Well, and it's funny because, of course, at the company, they would come out and try to give me, I don't know, lectures about stuff. And they'd say, you know, you'd sell more or you'd do better if you had a makeover. I had one lady. Um, I did speaking, too. One of the corporate people. Right. I know. Um, one of the corporate people, um, I was speaking at an event and she said, you know, you're never going to make any money as a speaker until you lose weight and do a makeover. And at the time she said it, I actually cried in the bathroom. And um, then I thought, who the hell is she to tell me, right? I'm authentically me. If they don't like that, they can just not hire me. That's fine. And it wasn't maybe six years later, I'm at an event speaking. I didn't get a makeover. I'm still me. And she was speaking at that event too. And I was selling my books that I wrote and stuff in the back. And that day I earned about $4,400 on that speaking assignment. That one, one day, she had to do it as part of her job for free. And I thought, well... <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's not nice, but in my head, I'm going, nah, 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 boo, boo. <laughs> I'm still doing it my way, and it's oh. working. Well, so good. I First of all, I'm proud of you for, for being your authentic self and not allowing people like that to manipulate you. And, and we've all heard, you know, stories of others that, you know, have been told, well, you can't do it that way, and you need to be somebody else, be somebody who you're not. Um and so it's hard, I think, because sometimes I don't make choices that probably would benefit me. Like they wanted me to be in some magazine makeover issue. And I should have done it looking back because it was free clothes. I could have flown to Atlanta, had a good, you know, a meal, a hotel and got free clothes out of it. I didn't do it. I turned it down at that moment because I felt like they were trying to package me. And I'm thinking, I don't want to be packaged. If they, you know, take me as I am or watch me as I go. If I can't do this my way, I don't want to do it. So, but I kind of wish I, I kind of wish I'd done it though, because it was free clothes. <laughs> I was letting my pride of, uh, you know what I mean? Of not, because just because they did a makeover didn't mean I had to spend the rest of my life made over. I could have just taken whatever knowledge I could have got and then, incorporated what I wanted. But at that moment, um, I wasn't able to separate that like that. Yeah. I mean, 
there's a large difference between, you know, a makeover and losing weight and, you know, being this so-called personality versus just getting a makeover and enjoying the experience. And, <laughs> and that's what I should have done, but it's, it's okay. Cause it was a learning experience, right? Well, good. Yeah. <laughs> good for you. I, I love, I don't want anyone to miss that quote you just said, because take me as I am or watch me go. Watch that's, me as I go. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. I'm kind of bad about that. <laughs> no, that's, that's right up there with the flying in the front of the plane and riding in the back of the car. Those are fantastic quotes. So just, I just love your personality and, and I, and I love that you're, you've, you've become comfortable with who you are. And, and obviously you've used that for, for your own success. And obviously your success builds up your confidence and, and helps you with that, but you've made some incredible choices um, to, to get yourself out there, to make sure that when people think of Avon, that Avon lady, that's the one I'm going to, right? I know where her car's parked. I know where, you know, I can find that phone number. I know, you know, and, and so you've made yourself synonymous with, with Avon and with selling. And obviously now you've made yourself synonymous as a team leader, uh, which is pretty incredible and, and built a, a pretty significant network. Um, I, you have members in every state. So how did you create this this network in all 50 states? When they first came out with it in 1993, what we, we were new into the internet thing. They weren't letting us sign people up online, of course, way back then. Um, and we had to do it face-to-face -face through the kits. Now, sitting here in rural New Hampshire, I knew the only way that this was going to keep me money on the regular at a good clip would be if I didn't have everybody right near me because there's some winners that we're like buried for months. You know what I mean? We'll get buried in October and it doesn't thaw out till April. If I was relying on that, right, my check's going to dry up. So I'm thinking I need to spread out. There's no way around this. I need to spread out. So I would take every opportunity. And back then I was, once I made senior the top of the pay plan, I went around and do speaking. And um, at first the company was having me do it, but I earned more money when I did it myself. So I just did it myself after that. They were funny, what, this one lady said, um, she said they wanted me to do like, I don't know, 18 days and fly me all around for $500. And I said, you know what? There would be, there's gonna be a lot of people that will love that. Somebody will jump right on that for you. Matter of fact, I said to her, if you ask enough people, you'll probably find someone to pay you the $500, but it's not gonna be me. You know what Good I mean? And she said, but we'll be paying all the hotels. And I'm like, that I wouldn't need unless I was, <laughs> but that was too much work. So I did it myself, sold tickets myself and went around and I made sure I had kits on the truck and I did everything I could to sign people up because I knew if I didn't spread out, that was going to be the, the death knell of my check if we had bad weather. And one of the other uh, top leaders actually proved my point for me. And it's funny because she still doesn't see that it's a strategy. But um, she lived in New Orleans and had her whole team mm -hmm. right around her. And when the big hurricane, well, Katrina, Katrina yep. came, she was wiped. I mean, it took her three years to even get back on the map as far as Avon's concerned. And talk to her today, she still doesn't understand that she needs to be national. She still, you know, you say um, 
something about it. She's like, I got people upstate, but I'm like, you know, you need people other states like Chicago. But um, I just well, you can never and you can never predict right what might happen to like right. you know obviously you can predict like all right there's going to be snowstorms and I don't know when and I don't know why but I'm going to get stuck and and I don't well, want all of my salespeople stuck at the same time. Well, and it was another thing that I learned from other companies. Companies do that. You don't see Dunkin' Donuts only in Massachusetts. They spread out to lower their risk. And that's what companies do to lower their risk. They even go international to lower their risk. So, and so you were setting up speaking opportunities and then using these speaking opportunities to sell to sell kits and invite people into your into your Amway yeah. business. So what what did you do to, to create these these speaking opportunities? Well, the speaking and the signing people up were separate because who came to see me speak were other Avon representatives. So I was teaching marketing because that's something the company doesn't teach. They teach door knocking or now, now it's more like your warm market. They teach you to do your warm market. I'm talking about out and out getting people you don't know to buy from you. So marketing is not something that they teach even still mostly. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I can go around and talk about and teach. So like when I went around and did uh, the seminars, I would book myself and I had a network enough of representatives that I could sell the tickets by phone, book the hotel and go there. But who I was recruiting wasn't the people at the seminar. It would be like um, the clerk I met at the hotel or someone I met at the gas station. And my truck, I had one of those little one-ton box trucks and I had Avon on it, huge with my 800 number. So people would call from that and then they'd say, we just saw the truck. And then I would meet them somewhere and sign them up there or sell to them there. So it was, it's uh, like two separate things, but it's like getting everything I can out of every trip, making it the most profitable that I can. Well, obviously you had a great deal of intentionality in, in everything that you're doing, right? From from getting your name out in your local town to wrapping the car, to putting it on the side of the truck, to, to keeping kits in the, in the van while you're out of state and, and being intentional about, Hey, I'm doing this speaking gig for leadership, but then I'm still telling people about signing up yeah. and getting involved. And, and now I'm almost door knocking <laughs> with every person I come into contact with. I mean, what's funny is I thought uh, I read that story. I don't even remember who it was. Um, the guy that was on PBS, he since died, but um he went around and did uh, the radio stations and he drove all around the country and made himself famous that way. I don't know if you've heard that story, but I was thinking I could do something like that with my speaking to give myself some speaking chops, you know, have some. So um, that's how that started out. But what I learned, because I did this thing where it was in 2001 too early in the year, but I did, what was it? I got even 30 seminars in 90 days and I drove clear around the whole country in that box truck. And um, I thought I would learn to be a speaker that way. That's what the point was. What I learned to be was a truck driver. Because <laughs> I went on my own. <laughs> and I slept in the back of the truck. Oh, yeah, that was a that was an adventure. I'm not sure I would do today. But <laughs> wow. That was, yeah, that was and you know, it's funny, people said, uh, aren't you afraid somebody will bother you like you're a woman traveling alone? People wouldn't even speak to me. Are you kidding me? Like at the truck stops, I'm in line to get the truck washed. 
the other truck drivers wouldn't even speak to me because I was in a one ton. It was like against their, <laughs> you're not even a real truck. <laughs> That's right. You don't fit with the car people. You don't fit with the truck people. You Yay. were just out there on your own. Yeah. And oh, and I, I looked fabulous too, by the way, sleeping in the back of the truck, dragging myself up, getting in the seat and driving hundreds of miles every day. Oh, it was fabulous. <laughs> your your commitment to your business and to the future you were trying to create for yourself is incredible. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so I wish you could see my life now compared to my life then, though. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it was worth it. Every single time I slept in the truck, every single thing I've had to do is worth it. So let's talk, let's talk about your family now and, and the blessings that owning your own business and, and being an entrepreneur gives you as a mom. Um, it's, it's funny because my kid is spoiled, of course, <laughs> and doesn't even know. Yeah. So he doesn't know that we have an unusual lifestyle. Um, up at the school, they tell me 80% of the kids have never been out of state. My kid started traveling with me when he was two months old. We went to a leadership meeting in Las Vegas. We, before all the stuff going on went on, we probably travel four or five times a year and it's usually a business trip of some kind. But he's been on a Mediterranean cruise, many cruises all over this country. We've been to Ireland three times. I mean, we've been to so much and done so much. And it's funny, he's 16 now and he, he's opting out of traveling with me <laughs> and he makes it like I forced him. <laughs> and I, but this, don't worry, this is a short lived thing. And I know it because teenagers, right. Anything that they had, they don't want, but um, he's going to realize that it was such a benefit. And when he's paying himself, it's going to be hard to duplicate. <laughs> but we've, I, my big thing isn't um, what I drive, by the way. Uh, some people like get Jags and Mercedes and stuff with their car allowance. I'm not into that because I got a kid. I've got a minivan, right? <laughs> I never thought I was going to be a minivan mom, but hey, it comes in handy. So um, I've got a 10-year-old minivan when I'm driving. But when I go to a hotel, I like to stay in a big room. So I've stayed at some amazing, I think one of my favorites is um, the Skyloft Suite at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. It's a two-story room. You have big, giant windows. It's uh, it, it, They had two liveried uh, attendants that serve you room service. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And the other one of my favorites is on, um, I think it was Anthem of the Seas, Royal Caribbean, one of their largest ships. Um, I got the room that has the piano in it. That was a two-story room on the ship. It's the largest cruise ship room at sea and cost as much as my first car. Not the Yugo, uh, my first real car. My first real car. Yugo's more like a bicycle. Fred Flintstone. <laughs> the, right, the Yugo's like the Flintstone mobile. Right? But the, those are the things. I, and it's creating memories is what I like. I mean, I'll never forget that giant hotel room. And I'll never forget that cruise ship room. I mean, it's just those fabulous memories of the experiences. I never would have been able to do that any other way, I think, and without the kind of income I'm earning. Well, so, and, and many, many of these trips were paid for by Avon, right? Um, yes. Uh, the Skyloft suite, they actually paid for that 
Skyloft Suite. I didn't pay that one. The cruise ship room, I did pay for that one. <laughs> but um, now that I I try to get a big uh, room everywhere we go, and I try to do the fancy stuff, not fancy stuff, but the little extra stuff. Like we'll go, like we're going to Hawaii in March. I say we, me and me and one of my girlfriends, because the kid doesn't want to go. <laughs> And we're going to do a helicopter cruise we're, uh, uh, tour. We're going to do the extra stuff that makes it memorable for us because now we're into experiences. And um, we've worked hard to afford that. And that's what we want to do. That's so terrific. So so besides being the number five income earner, earner for Avon, yeah. you've taken more than 40 expense paid trips that Avon's provided as a reward for the business right. you've created. Yeah, and, and you know what's funny? My mom worked this business with me for years. I think she was in 18 years, and, and I've been in about 40. Um, I recruited her after she went on one of the Hawaii trips with me. Um, it's just so funny that uh, I didn't realize until just a couple years ago, she hadn't flown on a plane until we went on an Avon trip. And I didn't know that. I I don't know how I didn't know it, but I just assume she had been on a plane, I guess. And uh, so she got to travel all over the place and she wouldn't have been able to do any of that. And so sometimes I take it for granted a little bit because I've been doing it so long. And um, I think realizing that she wouldn't have done it makes it even more special to me. Mm, absolutely. Well, and, and the fact that the blessings can go both ways, right? Right. Like, right. Like your son is learning from the experience, but also you're able to to bless your parents and 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 do something that isn't typical. And she talks about it all the time. Still, she's in assisted living right now. She's got Alzheimer's, which is, uh, you know, it's hard. She's getting up there, but yeah, she talks. She talks about the trips. That's what she remembers the most. Mm. So she's got a whole book that I made for her with pictures from all of our travels. Uh, she went to Ireland with me too. That was one of our favorites. Nice. But, um, and you know what I was doing in Ireland? That wasn't an Avon paid trip. That was actually, I got hired to speak over there. That's fantastic. And, uh, I brought the family with me. But um, yeah, this has been a huge amount of opportunities that I wouldn't have gotten, I don't think, any other way. And it's not just the company. It's the fact that I looked for every opportunity, I think. So if you're listening to this, I'm not saying go out and sign up for Avon, although that's awesome. I'm saying anything you're doing right now, you could do this in, I believe. Mm -hmm. It's not an Avon specific thing. It's a wherever you are right now, if it's a good fit for you, you could make it fabulous thing. Well, I, I think obviously you've had a, a determined focus and in a, a driving force that that drove you but you also created relationships where you you added value and you focused on on serving and helping people even though you're selling them roll-on deodorant <laughs> I, I think that's important right because so many people are afraid of of sales and and afraid of i don't know this this perception of what sales implies but but at the end of the day if if you're adding value and and you're treating the person well you're you're creating a long-term relationship of solving the problems for them and helping them that they come back to you over and over and over again and obviously you don't build a network 
three generations deep of 3,000 people without taking care of people. You know, it's funny to me, all of the aspects of this are service oriented, including dealing with my colleagues that are not in my downline. Um, uh, one of the things I didn't realize that people remember me for in the company is um, a while back, this is probably, I don't know, seven years ago, I thought they ought to get the top leaders together and we, you know, have a book, have us all write chapters in the book. And then it took me a little while before I realized who was I waiting for to do that. So I spearheaded that. And we, we have a series of three books. There's 60 of us uh, and we're all colleagues. Most of us are not in each other's downline in Avon, the top 60 something people. And there's three volumes. It's called A View from the Top. Um, and that all happened just because I said to myself, somebody should do this. I could be that somebody. Mm. Why, why am I waiting? Why am I waiting for someone else to do that? And I don't think it would have been possible if I hadn't had a good relationship with the other uh, uh, leaders. Some of the leaders in not just this company, but any of them, they think that their information is so special that they're not going to share it with a colleague because they're a competitor. And I've never felt that way. I never thought my stuff was so unique. You know what I mean? I didn't care who I helped. I'm in the service business. I'm just serving people. And I think because of that, the other leaders were willing to go in on that project with me. And then that worked out for all of us, the 60 something of us that did that all got to be authors. We all got publicity. It was a fabulous project just because we all worked together. So good. <laughs> so good. I am I'm just so happy that you took the time to share today and share your story and share your authentic self. And well, thank you. I'm, yeah. And just thank you. Now I always end with just one last question is if you sat across from one of your up and coming entrepreneurs and had coffee and you want to leave them with Lisa's words of wisdom, what would you share? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> Maybe it's a believe in yourself. Hmm. Um, I know you were saying borrow the belief from somebody, but sometimes there isn't anyone to borrow it from. Just go ahead and believe in yourself. And it's like, if you don't have a good leader, just go ahead and be a good leader. You know, if you don't have belief, just go ahead and have it yourself. Because I think I, I would have made it farther along in this quicker if I just believed more in myself first. So good. Thank you, Lisa, so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode, Laban and I have a great conversation about dealing with addiction, negative self-talk, and how basically reshaping his thought life, things going on between his ears, changed his entire destiny.